cool yo let's do it so welcome to red river podcast um you know me and my buddy jake did a deep dive on halloween 2018 which i got a lot of really cool responses about people really liked you know uh, uh jake went in and dissected the shit out of it left left no meat on those bones for sure uh so i thought to myself why wouldn't we be doing kills and ends so here we are with Halloween Kills Deep Dive. Uh, what's up, Jake? Uh, not much, Sam. Good to see you. Thanks for the uh, kind words, man. That was, uh, I mean, there's still a little meat left if you want to, you know, yeah. do a episode, you know, but uh, this one, man, left me so conflicted. I've got so much to talk about. I'm actually glad there's multiple heads in here right now. Good, All good, right. good. So me laying in here. Um, yeah, man, let's jump into it right away. So, um, Let's talk about the 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 beginning. The beginning of Halloween Kills takes place like as soon as like the like I guess the the two nights join together. Uh, so you get the annoying boyfriend because everyone at the end of of 2018 was like, "Yo, whatever happened to the boyfriend?" You know, and then he comes out and then he 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 fucking stumbles across uh, Hawkins, um, and then it goes straight into this flashback. So Jake, wh- what did you think of the flashback? I thought the beginning, once again, was was strong. I really loved that, like, not only are we reintroduced to Cameron, but we're introduced in that way where we hear the um, the fight between Sartain and Hawkins, and you hear Allison scream, and you can hear how close that is happening to him. And here's the character that, you know, we said last time, like, this guy kind of defies a pretty important horror convention of not dying after being, like, so many different archetypes of asshole yeah yeah and you're right he's looking for allison he's trying to call his friend that we know is dead it sets up this like doom and gloom and like uh you know everybody's everything's falling apart kind of feeling so quickly that i think adds a lot of the discomfort that makes that was clearly a point in this movie and worked, you know, for some people and didn't work for others. And there's no let up. I like that. There's no let up. Like when you go from one to two, you know, 78 to 81, it's like, okay, there's no like breather. There's nothing. It's just this, this basically continuation of a night and stuff. So, yeah. And then they throw it right back to the flashback. They do this hard, like the, like exactly like you said, they set it up where it's, the, the first movie and the second movie are joined by like this, you know, millisecond of a moment, but yet we're immediately, as soon as the discomfort settles in, we are dragged decades into the past to a timeline that we know as fans that there's some fans who were supportive of it and some fans aren't. And I, I really liked it. I thought it was very cool. It was really cool seeing that, you know, they, um, seeing how the, bringing us back to that night that's like you know etched into all of yeah because minds you know and and the thing with that is like you get like that other angle i like that they're like okay you know what when he dropped you know when loomis shot him he disappeared so there's more to that story you know what i mean so he he like because they said you know he walked around for a bit before they got him and uh (laughs) one of the funny things about it is the introduction of, of lonnie um into the plot which i mean for the most part i I don't really know what that served to be honest with you and i love that he ran into like this uh group of uh the malanies but to me they were like the o'doyles it was like o'doyle rules you know so uh langan uh what did you think of the uh flashback 
I love the flashback. It was, uh, it, it, it gave us a, a new little story about that, you know, that night that we're all so familiar with. And uh, uh, it, it, it was just a feeling of nostalgia that it, you scratched and stuff while advancing the story a little bit of what happened that night. And the, the Loomis thing was so fantastic. I thought it was like, I mean, cutting room floor something, or they dug out some CGI, and I couldn't believe that there was a, an actor portraying it because the mannerisms, everything, and you know, I'm sure it made up very well, but uh, that was fantastically done. Like, but did you know, like, when when, I, when I'm sitting in the theater, you know, <clears throat> on the Thursday before the Friday it gets released, I'm sitting there with a, with a fucking boner because the movie was delayed after a year. I'm like. I was like very confused. I was like, I don't know what they just did. I'm like, was that a CGI face? I was so yeah. confused when I saw Loomis. I was, I was like, certain it was CGI. And when I found out it wasn't. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, when I thought it was CGI, I was like, ah, you know what? I, I, I don't really like this. I, you know, it threw me for a loop in the very beginning mm -hmm. where I was just like, I don't like this. And then when I found out that it was like makeup and it was an actual actor, I'm like, that makes sense because I'm like watching yeah. this dude and i'm thinking like how would they do this you know right um thing what practical effects can do to like you know those of us who are watching it's like ah cgi fucking cgi but then you find out that it's that's like, how good it was yeah you thought it like, had to be donald pleasance because it was just spot on you know suddenly we're so impressed because of yeah. I mean, you know what goes into making something look that realistic that's not done on a computer is wild yeah. Yeah. And uh, I feel like in the beginning, there's still like that foreshadowing that that rang through the whole movie about the room. It's the, like he seems to always go back to the house um, and there's something about that room and that that window, because as soon as that that dude, you know, fucking the guy from uh, the wolf, you know, the, the wolf of Snow Hill, Jim Cummings, I think his name is stood there like Michael grabbed him, you know, um, and, I loved how. He uh, Myers came out in that scene too. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, he, he did that kind of corny line yeah. of like Haddonfield where nothing ever happens. Like you heard it the first time, and it was just kind of like this little tag. And yeah. then it's like, oh, he's about to deliver it again, and he couldn't even get through the sentence before Michael just comes out of the side. It was fucking, and you see him step into the footprints mm -hmm. that are like there by the window, which is like you know, spoiler alert, early on, but it's like, oh, like that's if you stand in that spot like we we don't know you're going to get it but at the end of the movie it kind of is like this book ending thing of like oh if you're standing in that window and you're not michael myers like that's th this is a set piece this is something yeah. that you kind of depend on which which i think they're building up probably by halloween ends to kind of like I don't know i feel like they're really going to pull something out and explain some shit on that for yeah uh, yeah but uh yeah so you know, uh, the second viewing for me, I embraced the flashback more. In the very beginning, I was like thrown for a loop. Um, I just it, it was maybe it was just like decades of watching these characters and then get introduced to like all these new like cops and like Lonnie and all this other stuff. And like, yeah, it's jarring. It was just like, yeah, it was very jarring for me. Uh, but on the second viewing, like I felt like I was more prepared for it. And I I kind of like was like, OK, this is the ride. And I embraced that 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 beginning more. Um, so any anything else on the on the intro that, that one, you want to add or, or we covered it? 
I mean, yeah, I think it's well covered. It's nice to see them kind of blow it. Like, you know, in the first movie, they were just like, hey, we're retconning the ending and they don't, you know, that's just it. It just kind of gets, you know, we're just moving on from there. It's nice to see them kind of make a bold move and flesh it out. And again, the the way they jump from the, you know, they start from while the, you know, the Halloween night we're following is happening and then drag you back there right before the opening credit starts. Again, I thought it was like a really, much like the first movie's cold open, where it may not set up, I mean, it sets up the story, but what it sets up even more is like the tone and like what kind of ride you're about to go on. Yeah, it it, it, it does, for sure. It, especially the first and, and this one, yeah. Um, and, and for me, when I saw Hawkins was alive, I liked it. I felt like he got dispatched a little too early, right? Oh, not too early, but I mean, like, I, I didn't like it that we thought he was dead because, I mean, he got stabbed in the neck a bunch of times and he got run over. So it didn't I mean, seem like he had much to do, you know, like I'm <laughs> glad they brought him back to give him more of a story. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Plus, uh, Martin being the fucking loser that he is, man, he can stab somebody in the neck 20 times and fail. Like, once again, more Sartain lore of what a fuck face he is. He was. <laughs> um, so that brings us to the bar scene. I like the bar scene because I feel like, you know, um, you have, I guess it's like an open mic or whatever. And then, you know, Tommy Doyle takes the mic and then I guess it, it does what horror movies love to do, which is retelling of these stories that we're here for. It's like they, you know, every every horror movie, it's like, oh, you know, the, the legend of Freddy or the legend of Michael. And that's what he did. And I thought he did it in a cool way. And then, and then he basically points out, you know, um, Lindsay and uh, Marianne and Lonnie. And then from there, I don't know, like, you know, you know, who's there, the survivors, and they start basically building the story. Um, and, and I like that a lot. I, but a lot of people find Tommy, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Michael Hall kind of annoying. So uh, Lang and anything. I, 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 uh, I, I found him annoying. I don't, and I like the film, but I don't know what it was, man. <laughs> I just did not like. Uh, do you think it's? Michael do you think it's like either. casting? Is it just no, bad I mean, casting? You know, I'm sure he did a fine job, but for whatever reason, just you know, it just I I didn't that whole speech. I didn't like his over dramatic delivery. I don't. I just did not like the character of Tommy Doyle uh, in this film. How cool um, would it have been if they got Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd would have been cool. Totally different movie. Right? It would have been kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But Jake, what, any issues with uh, Tommy Doyle? Um, Yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but I in, mean, in, in, in this scene in particular, like like the bar scene, like when you first get introduced to him, uh, did he rub you the wrong way? Because it, it well, seems- it's not so much problems with the character or the performance. Like, I'm not going to armchair, you know, critiques somebody's performance. Anthony Michael Hall has certainly done good things before. I don't know if he was the strongest casting. He seemed to kind of play it right down the middle. He didn't really bring a ton to it. But the I think it wasn't because he did a bad job. I mean, much like what we said about Karen in the first movie and then in this movie, it's like the character in the script demands that the actor do a really good job. Like it, there's a lot of subtext laid in there. There's a lot laid on Tommy Doyle in this movie in yeah. terms of like what kind of, what he's supposed to carry. And where in the first movie, it was like that with Karen and she really, you know, um, Judy Greer really ran with it and really just destroyed. And Michael Hall didn't do a bad job, 
he did a certainly serviceable job and had the role might've had more weight, maybe distributed to other characters. He might've, he might've come off a little better. Yeah. He was a big piece of it, you know, with Jamie Lee pretty much laid up in the hospital the whole time. He's pretty much leading the, the, the attack on Mike. And I, I, what I wish they did with the survivors, like the, the, the four people that they, they seem to have focused on, you know, as surviving this, this night, I wish they would have stayed with them more. Uh, I wish they weren't so like easily dispatched um, pretty much some of them like unceremoniously <laughs> dispatched, like we're like, Oh yeah, we're, we're good with you. Um, because I, I feel like they wasted a lot of time with the, you know, the, 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 the other guy, the other patient that escaped and some of these things yeah. where I'm like, ah, okay. I, I guess agree. we're just like here wasting yeah. time. Um, they hung a lot on characters. They hung a lot on the audience to kind of do a lot of the work. Which, you know, I mean, it can come off looking like either you thought about it too much or you didn't think about it enough. And it leaves it up to such interpretation. Like Tommy Doyle, you know, there's a lot of issues with his, you know, his like kind of overzealous deliveries. And he speaks in a lot of these like epithets and kind of slogany kind of things. And, you know, as somebody who really enjoys kind of digging into a movie when I feel like there's subtext available to be mined. And once you see what, you know, this, this movie is supposed to represent, it's like, here's this guy who went through this tragedy and he stayed in this town, much like Lori did. Lori had her reasons. We learned about it in the first movie. This movie didn't give us the movie. The first movie had so much of a focus on Lori because it was her movie. This is about Haddonfield. This is about introducing multiple characters. Yeah. So Tommy is this character who stayed in this town and you see while he's on stage, like this is not only has the tragedy and the trauma of that tragedy forged his personality over the years, but him having that identity as that boy, as he grew up, like, you know, we had, I was in, in the bar scene, I was most kind of turned off by, um, the couple, the doctor and nurse who were like pissed off that people were talking in a bar behind them. I'm like, you know, yeah, you know, as a, as a bartender, a you know, time. they were trying <laughs> to watch the talent show, dude. Yeah. I mean, they so couldn't you, focus. You, you walk like everybody around you is, they were talking before they came up behind them. It's yeah. like, so like, they would have missed the puppeteer and all the jokes yeah. <laughs> and Tommy, we never got to hear his bird. Exactly. Calls right. That's we didn't hear his bird whistling. Um, <laughs> But it's like what I got from that exchange, again, I feel like I had kind of had to work hard for this. It's like, oh, Tommy's probably this dude in this town who might rub people the wrong way, who might be kind of like, you know, a pain in the ass, might be annoying, whatever. The bartender says, oh, don't worry about them. They're like that. But then we see as soon as this doctor, you know, this guy dressed as a doctor character learns who he is. He's like, oh, shit. Like his his interpretation of, of Tommy completely flips. He's wants to buy them beers. He wants to, you know, he wants to be close to them. So here's Tommy who might not have had much of a life in Haddonfield beyond people kind of treating him with these kid gloves. And when he's up there doing his speech, it's reminiscent of a lot of like self-righteous kind of dogmatic, you know, bullshit that you're hearing from, you know, people on, you know, Facebook, social media, whatever. He's really milking like all oh, the victims yeah. he's using language. <laughs> And then I, I, again, I'm not pulling that out of nowhere because the next scene, he, he, at the end of the, the speech, he's like, and let's raise a glass to Lori wherever you are. And you see Lori is fucked. 
So Word like fucked, your yeah. speech is doing nothing for yeah. Lori, for the actual people that you're supposedly commemorating. Like you're drinking, you're remembering, but you're also putting your memories on the people in front of you. And the people you're saluting to are currently in the fucking in the back of a truck bleeding out. Yeah. And, and that, that brings us to that scene, which, you know, for for uh, a franchise that had some of the most ridiculous comebacks of all time, one being uh, Halloween H2O to Resurrection where they chop the head off and they're like, Oh no, it was a paramedic that he crushed it. You know, like from that. No resurrection's not a real movie though. Yeah. I like this because to me, I'm thinking like, yeah, the house is burning. And while I'm watching Halloween 2018, I'm not thinking a fucking fire truck is going to come to put out the fire. But when it happened, I'm like, eh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I could see that happening. And he was hiding somewhere. So this scene happens and th- this one in particular for me, um, this is what really separated 2018, which felt like a Halloween movie to me, to this one, which felt more of like an action movie. <laughs> because when he gets out and starts f- like, first of all, he Michael Myers walks out and he has this like weapon in his hand and it looked like um like a Quentin Tarantino movie with the firefighters all look at each other. And then they like start up the saw. One of them has like the hose. And then yeah, like the, the way, he, the way he kills them all, which was great. It was just weird. It wasn't a very Michael Myers uh, thing. And th- sitting in the movie theater, once this scene came on, I was like, Oh, this is going to be very different. It's not going to be very suspenseful. It's just going to be uh, a carnage movie. Uh, and uh, that was the difference between the suspense and the buildup and the story in 2018 compared to this one. So I, I like that scene a lot. Uh, I, I loved when they showed him grabbing onto that weapon and stuff. And then that's feeding into my, you know, my horror gore hound sense. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, man, no, here we go. You're going to fuck some shit up. And and he dispatched those dudes in like awesome way. And I know what you're saying about the action movie. I get that. that yeah, vibe, it, but... it was just a di- at that point, it's a different movie. But there was some cool stuff. Great shots. The the, the, the last fireman that he got, you know, the uh, David Gordon. Green, he looked like, cool, too. Yeah, he had <laughs> he had like the he, you, you see like the death through like the broken glass of like yeah. the other one. Some really cool shots in there. But um, that's when I kind of felt like the movie take a right turn for me as opposed to a left turn. So I was like, all right, this is going to be completely different. So. Yeah. That scene was definitely like trying to blaze its own trail again. Like, you know, I, I fucking loved how the fire trucks are zooming towards the house and Lori is screaming. No, like don't do it. We're already once again, off on this path of people are making bad choices. Shit is blowing up in people's faces. People are failing doomed. This whole movie is just about like, try what you might the the bad shit's gonna happen and we come from this again this scene where tommy is sloganeering like in this very kind of hometown patriotic kind of way and i i call it like i've I've said this about a few movies before it's like this south park effect where like when the south park movie came out and then suddenly there was like an uproar publicly about some of the stuff in the movie it's as if the movie predicted what its own reaction was going to be and I heard all the uproar about like, oh, fuck, they're killing firefighters, like online petitions and stuff. But really? then when you see it in context, Tommy's having this speech 
he's the guy who's pissed off that firefighters are being killed in this movie. Like the Tommy Doyles of the world are the guys yeah. that are getting offended by that. Yeah. So like, I have to believe that this, yes, gory, bloody, almost like, like it's, it's, it's great how you said like, you know, they're holding their weapons and like standing there for a second. It's like, that's very sequely, like almost yeah, like he did, kind of energy. He did everything but do a backflip off the front porch. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I was that just like, all right. Sick. But, so you know. Telling me that they're trying to do something subversive. They're trying to make you uncomfortable, but they're also maybe making a sequel. And they're like, we know what sequels are. Like, it's called Halloween Kills. You're right. The first movie is all tension and buildup and story. This movie really hits the ground running. In the middle, yeah. a lot of action. And that's how I look at it, you know, like, after after I watched it the first time, and I was like, you know what? Let me watch it the second time. And I came to the conclusion that this is going to play out as a trilogy. You know, this is like The Empire Strikes Back. You know, yes. it's like you, you have the buildup, then you have the carnage and then you have the resolution. So I think if you look at it at this point, it's almost like an incomplete movie. It's not done. Mm -hmm. You, you okay. just had this middle part that where chaos fucking happened. So it's but very I, empire and story arc. You're right. Like that's an exact comparison yeah. from beginning to end. Uh, I want to bring up uh, the hospital scene. Uh, Judy Greer. Uh, I think she is killer. She is like the one person actually acting the yeah, <laughs> this movie. Yeah, I feel like she's like uh, completely acting in this movie. And um, one thing th this movie did uh, on occasion was uh, the just the the I guess the trauma of losing her husband. Um, she felt it and you would see like the ring when she's washing her hands. Um, a lot of these movies don't really have time for, for people to mourn anyone. And I feel like in specific, uh, human ways, like very human ways, she remembered him and mourned him. Uh, maybe not so overt, but like, just, you felt it. You're like, oh yeah, it's like, you're here. The night's not over, but you're thinking like, shit, my fucking husband just got fucking murdered. You yeah. Know? So yeah. yeah, she gave the best performance of the, the film for sure. Once again, yeah. Um, another really interesting part. Uh, it took me a minute to realize Lenny Clark is in the movie. Comedian uh, Lenny yes. Clark, right? I kept saying Larry Clark, and I'm yeah. like, that's not, that's it's another L Clark. Yeah, yeah. So, um, old Boston comic. Yeah, completely like a real like old school dude. I was like, yeah, it looks like Lenny Clark, but why the fuck would he be in here for two yeah. seconds? Yeah. But sure enough, so um, he's there, and and uh that's probably some of my favorite violence in the movie because it, it's very yeah. it's very banana so um him and his wife are there uh, i assume it's his wife and uh the fluorescent light bulb Oof. right i don't know it looked yeah. really real like Gruesome. when he like stuck it in and like her her neck automatically got really big and then from there you see that this guy Michael Myers is like almost like a slow child with like you know they they said he's he's like a uh, a child with the with the mind of an animal and stuff yep. with the body of a man uh because he 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 just like puts Lenny Clark's fucking body on the table and he's yeah. just like oh let me just keep stabbing him because it's like you're mentally I gone so I felt like he was like trying to pick his weapon his the knife he you know he favorited the best, like which one had the best feel and action yeah. on it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. What am I going to go through this film with? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that, that yeah. one went pretty hard. 
she's got the knife, like, you know, after Lenny gets his head smashed in. And I just loved it. Lenny Clark called him a big fella in a monster mask. I'm like, oh, maybe it's just the East Coast thing. I'm like, I go to a big fella. I really like that. But then uh, she picks up a knife, you know, pretty standard Michael Myers weapon. And you see him take a second and do something creative. You know, we see that Michael creative ingenuity. He's like, oh, you got a knife. Like, I know knives. How about this? And then does something infinitely more brutal. It's like we're watching the the antagonist of this movie make the same choices that the filmmakers making in this movie going like, yeah, this movie, we're trying to make you a little bit more uncomfortable with this one, you know? Also too, because they, they're them in particular, uh, they didn't die right away. They just kept, they kept in agony. The the shot on her, you could see her chest, you know? Yeah. 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 Still staring at what was going on. I think that they were just like, fuck it. Let's just fucking hit this pedal and just like step on it. And and one of my favorite transitions in the movie. Yeah. I I think this was definitely one of the highlights. This was one of those points where you're like, okay, I'm watching a severe series, uh, uh, slasher film. And I love, the stupidity in it still because like you're watching this lady try to get out of the door i'm thinking like you can't like she's like trying to unlock shit and i'm like what the you know there's still like that element from like you know horror movies and i'm thinking like keep going keep unlocking all you got to do is unlock one more and get the fuck out of there no one seems to want to leave the house in this movie for even lenny clark says it he's like he's like Call the fucking cops. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like voice of reason finally. Yeah, but yeah. she, you know, like what I loved about this scene was the transition to the next scene. It really sets up what I think the second act in a movie is, where like she's still alive, her chest is heaving, she's sitting on the floor, and we have this like 360, this slow 360 shot where she's watching her husband get gratuitously stabbed like he's just taking every knife in the kitchen and laying it into him and she's watching as her breath is leaving her body and then there's the sound fades in before the next scene the sound fades in of the crowd kind of giving this tepid applause and then we're immediately once again getting thrust around we go from this scene to a fucking puppet show And it's like, oh, this movie is like, oh, she's like beholding violence to somebody important to her, somebody close to her, somebody in her neighborhood. But yet we're seeing it as an audience. We are at the end of that 360 shot. We are in audience with her as we're watching that. And then to add another fucking level, there's an audience that gives a fucking reaction to it. And I thought that was done so fucking well. It w- and like they even cut to Lonnie like laughing at it. Like just just the succession of events, the way that played out. Like, you know, I may have thought that act two was a little padded, but as far as how it was set up, yeah, I was really quite blown away with how that went down. You know, and, and it's funny, like when we compare these movies, um, in theory, you know, this movie is a way better movie than like, Halloween four, but Halloween four is higher up on my list. But right. when you really it's it's interesting, you know, because it's it's this movie is a better movie than a lot of other horror sequels. It's just very well made, very mm-hmm. well executed, you know. So it's like I yeah, I, I mean those movies always they have a place in your heart too when you saw them. Yeah, then that's yeah. what that's it stuff is. Yeah. That like the bands you liked when you grew up versus yeah. sometimes new stuff now. That I think that's like intrinsic in, in, yeah. in all of us and stuff. But yeah, yeah it's I mean, listen, there's been a lot of shitty Halloween movies. 
So like some of the uproar that this one wasn't good or whatever. Like, yeah. Really? How really? many have the worst sequels <laughs> of all of them? Like yeah. how many fucking shite Halloween movies are there? Absolutely. <laughs> Rob yeah. Zombie made two of two. the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen. In my life, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and and people, you know, when they release this to Peacock, you know, when, when something is that easily accessible, it's it's you're going to get a, a demographic of people that would, like would never have even gone to the theater to see it. So That's me personally, great. like I'm, right. I'm going to go pay to see it. Other people are like, Oh, I have Peacock. I guess I'll just watch this fucking movie. I don't give a shit about it. You know, so it's they're, like, they're I, a part of I, the critical I, consensus when they wouldn't have paid to see it in the theater. That's an excellent point. Yeah. 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 And, and so those are, those are the, the opinions. Well, there's also some of the horror community that just likes to be whiny cunts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Gatekeepers and shit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Because I'm always thinking, like, all I wanted it to do was to be better than some of the worst sequels in yeah. the franchise, and that's it. And then after I didn't that, watch a lot of trailers, interviews about what I there's a new Halloween movie coming out. All right, when it comes out, I'll be there. I don't need yeah. to know any exactly anything and, else. Yeah, oh, yeah, because the trailer came out right, and people were like, they gave away too much. Oh, the whole movie, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> the fire scene, that was for, it. I'm, yeah, I learned I'm, my lesson from the first movie. I'm not watching David Gordon Green trailers ever again. <laughs> they no. did. They they did give they did show a lot, but still, it, it, what I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking like I already kind of know what's going to happen. Like uh, Michael Myers yeah. is going to go, he's going to kill people, and going to kill a lot of people. Probably live at the end. Like you know, I don't care. I'm, yeah, I, I'm there. Yeah. Well, the and, critical response now is going to be different too. I'm thinking because it's like you know we're in an era of prestige horror. Like we're seeing a lot of horror movies that are taking on a lot metaphorically intellectually they're really trying to be tight and like langan had said like you know the attachment to a movie like Halloween four let's say is a very particular brand of nostalgia because that felt like more of like a lawless kind of yeah driven by capitalism it's like oh these movies make money so let's just churn them out so yeah. whoever made them just fucking made them so we have this character that we're attached to we have the story that we're attached to but we're also able to like it kind of birthed that gatekeeper culture where like it gave you stuff to kind of be like hey man this sucks and like we could have a laugh about it and feel like it's ours you know right oh yeah yeah, yeah for sure um just to uh you know detour for a second i, I want to shout out the slumber party massacre remake that that, that came up on sci-fi you want to talk about a movie that remade itself and came out with something completely different fucking really? brilliant yeah i couldn't believe how smart it was i was like oh wow how the fuck did this like like you watch it and you're like this is very well written so it's a remake it's a remake of slumber party massacre from like 81 and yeah. uh it's i can't say enough about it it's just like it's this movie with the driller killer but it's beyond that and by the end i was just thinking like they remade a movie very well and they kept all the elements of the original and then they it's added it's a sci-fi film it's a sci-fi film yeah they've, they've gotten better yeah at a couple of things it's, it's usually anything associated sci-fi i'm like yeah that, that's not going to be that now good. because like the, the, the like the child's play show is really good there's just some really cool they, yeah they're doing some really cool stuff so um yeah, anyway. all right so chaos chaos starts here um you know, uh, the cops realize by now all the dead bodies. And I like that. I like that they uh, the scene where like all the cops are discovering the bodies that we see it in the first movie. 
you know, the head smashings and like the sartanes and all that other shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, motherfucker, you know, like the fucking sheriff uh, with, you know, the cowboy hat. Um, so then the news hits the bar and then from there it, it just gets spun out of control. So we're watching this. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the news shows uh, the the, uh, the escaped people from the you know, Michael Myers and that other guy, which I think is hilarious because you see like their two fucking faces. So I don't know the confusion when he sees them in the car later yeah. on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. you have Michael Myers and you have fat guy with the fucking uh, penguin hair. Fucking Ben Franklin impersonator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Ben they, Franklin. They get a good look at him in the hospital lights too. Like pretty, like, and no one's like, you know, that's not, his, that's not Myers body type. Yeah. Like I, I've seen that. Like, yeah. Even Tommy, like big jacked up dude. This guy's like five feet tall, we overweight. Have those people though, there are the people. <laughs> Karen is there, going, "That's not him." What do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, like, it's 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 doing a little bit, of, and then that a little. That, these are some of the things that might have a problem, like the ham fisty way of being like, "Who's the real monster? Is it us? Are we becoming the monster?" Like, sure. All right, I get it. You know, I get the. I can get the subtext. I might not like it or be like, yeah. eh. All right, whatever. But I could still enjoy the film, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. It's done in a weird way too, where it's very heavy-handed and like the it's very like kind of in your face. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. here's the point we're trying to make. But there's also a lot of the ways they're trying to make it. It's either right in your face or it's really hung back. There's no like kind of down the middle, just kind of like, yeah, here's this kind of running thread through the narrative. It's like, yeah, either you're getting some very hammy dialogue or some monologue that's like cliff notesing everything, or you have something really tucked into the chaos, you know, that like, you know, first is like, Karen saying it's not him. And then Lori saying it's not him, but not until like, her old wound is ripped open, which like, if that's not, you know, a metaphor for that moment, like, you know, but it's happening amidst all this chaos that they don't really draw too much attention to it. It just seems like it's part of the melee there. So I feel like that's a big difficulty this movie has is balancing the telling of that subtext. It's all there. And it's, I thought it was very important. It was very interesting. I thought it was prescient. I mean, people, uh, uh, critics are, lamenting the presence of the hospital melee in the wake of like you know the capital insurrection but i'm like no man this is like a this movie was written before that like it's because they're tackling that fucking mentality that i don't want to say they predicted it but it's like you know where these things go you know where these you know this this you know what this attitude does to people you know what happens when it gets mobilized even after the guy lands on the floor and is broken to pieces and bracket goes it's not him yeah Tommy's been told it's not him. Karen said it's not him. We watched them exchange, but he's still like trying to hang on to it. Like, we don't know what he looks like. It it could be, it could be like, you want to believe this fucking thing that you're getting fired up about. That's giving you purpose as a human being that like your entire life has been built around. Every time you walk into the bar, somebody wants to buy you a drink for being Tommy Doyle. Yeah. You can't let that go. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and also to like a, the, the subtlety in, um, like the sheriff, the black dude with the cowboy hat, like uh, he seems to be the level headed one there. And he's kind of like staring like you see his face looking at the crowd, like in disbelief as to like, 
yo, these people are fucking losing their mind right now and we're trying to control them, but they're not listening to anything and they're, you know, they're, they're wilding out. So I tell um, you this as a bartender too, when I see fights, uh, you know, when my security wants to get involved in fights, they don't rush over. They do exactly that. They hang close because they know there's only a certain point where anybody's going to listen to you. Yeah. You know, you've got to get that fucking peacocking or whatever out of your system first. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what do we think of uh, Big John and Little John? I hate them. I hate them, <laughs> <laughs> I hate them so much. It's what? in that moment where I'm like, oh yeah, these are Eastbound and Down guys. These yeah. guys are character guys. Yeah. And you again, this is like you're making a sequel. I felt like with them, I was like, oh, there's even some like kind of cheesy Italian horror fun going on right now, but. I Intera hate it. Yeah, interesting. But it did not work. <laughs> yeah, to me, like, uh, it felt very disingenuous. Like, they didn't really feel like a, a gay couple to me. Like, just felt not like me. two characters that were just like, all right, you guys be gay. <laughs> you know, like, it didn't really feel like that way. Which was well, uh, two, for two characters, too, that were that are essentially just going to be, you know, Myers fodder. Yeah. You know, two yeah. couple more bodies to put under the belt, which I'm <laughs> all in favor of. Like, they got wait, uh, too much uh, dialogue and getting in. We were inside that house and the kids stealing the candy. Yada, yada. Yeah, we like, were in there much. twice. We were in there twice. They yeah. got too much screen time for how little character development. Yeah, there yeah. were two bodies. For there him. were, there were two, it, two bodies. And they were advancing uh, the story. Yeah. And and uh, like the second time around, like that's <laughs> just so funny. But the way he dispatched them, I got to say, that was one of my favorite kills. Uh, when Agreed. he when he hit Big John with, with like he. You never see anyone get stabbed under the armpit. <laughs> like, yeah, that was true. very uncomfortable, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, yeah, because that's a really sharp knife. And then he did, he did go Italian giallo or Italian gore with him when he like crushed his eyeballs. And like, if you're a horror fan, you can't say anything about the kills in this. Oh no, I mean, yeah, there's, there's yeah, some savage shit in this film. Yeah, I, it was like this film. This this scene kind of gave. I mean, do I think Big John and Little John failed as characters? Yes, but they. There's a lot of gags in this movie. For a movie that's like real dark and doom and gloomy, there's a lot of little gags. Like when Little John walks past the mirror and scares himself, every time Big John steps into a room, he has this like gait to how he does it, like this kind of scared but wanting to look like a tough guy type thing. And there's this great moment in the hospital where Karen's talking to the sheriff and she, she, Karen's like, yeah, you know, we got him. And the sheriff goes, I'm so, uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, I'm sorry. And she goes, thank you. I yes. thought that was hilarious. That was like, great. That was yeah. great. That's that, yeah. I was going to bring that up next, actually. That, that's what I have here. But I also want to mention one last uh, Little John thing, which annoyed me to the point of like, uh, like the cops in part five. When he, like when Michael is there, instead of running out of the house, he's like, Michael, you've come home. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. what? what is that? Like terrible line. I mean, I guess, I guess their whole purpose is to reintroduce the Myers house back into it and what happened to it. These people are inhabiting it yeah. and have the three kids too. So they can wear the Halloween three masks, which I did love that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. that's, that's always, that, that, that's always great. But um, yeah, the police, you know, w when they go to the hospital, and, uh, you know, like you like you mentioned, Jake, it's just like <laughs> they're like, yeah, we killed him and all this other stuff. And um, from there, uh, I guess like the whole 
part of it is like, you know, Lori thinks that he has some sort of vendetta against her. And I like how they kind of clear that up through the movie. It's like, oh, no, he, he, it's not about you. Like this doctor brought him there and it's really not about you, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I like those scenes for sure. And and uh, another thing where, where um, Karen, Judy Greer um, turns to granddaughter Allison and, and this is like real dialogue because it's logical where she's like, we set up a booby trap and we fucking burned him and somehow he still got out. What do you think you're going to do? Like, just fucking sit here. And I'm thinking like, yeah, like any normal person, that's what you would say in that actual situation where it's not like uh, it's not like a movie on a uh, line on steroids, you know, where it's just like, yeah, we're going to go out, even though they ended up going out anyway, because like the hit teams were so embarrassing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is like who you have. Right. Like what would uh, what was the first hit squad? It was uh, the, the old nurse, which I'm glad she was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the couple. Lindsay Wallace and, and the couple. Yeah. That's a shitty hit squad. Dude, and yeah. the introduction of them is Hit Squad too. It's like you have Tommy doing his fucking big speech and shit. Yeah. And once again, he's using all these like slow, it's very fucking MAGA like like analog. Like he's everything's a slogan. Even like when he sloughs off evil dies tonight. Like I get how that annoys everybody, but it has to be annoying because of what it's representing. You're like it, you're right. That's done yeah. over and over again. Sure. So like he's doing this big speech, oh, the system failed us, blah, 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 blah. And then we get a quick cut to the couple in the back seat. And the husband's just like, I don't know how to use this thing. Yeah. You know, it was like, this is what you want to believe in vigilante justice because you've watched, you know, you grew up on Schwarzenegger movies. But like, yeah, this is what happens when you that, really do it, man. You're, you're going to fail. That is the reality. And, and, and that, that scene in particular, that might've been uh, probably one of the most effective scenes in the movie. Um, you know, when, when the, you know, Lindsay gets out of the car, she's talking to the kids and then they're like, you know, they're pretty annoying, but that's how kids are. Of course. Disagree. I thought those kids were awesome. Yeah. Satan. Not today. I love that shit. Yeah. 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 I yeah, thought yeah. they were hilarious. They reminded no. me of a, uh, the little kids from Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. They were like <laughs> locked up and barrel, no, you know? Yeah. You know what? I that's interesting. I wonder because that that's pretty dead on. Yeah. Lock, yeah. stock, and barrel. And like yeah. the girls just swinging back and forth, just being like, he's playing hide and seek with us. Like, we're not five. Like, I yeah. thought they were funny. I thought like I, I laughed out loud at those kids. No, no, for sure. I they were they were dicky in a way kids would. Like they don't have that perception. They're like, oh, there he is right there. Yeah, and, and then like he has the mask and then uh, I guess he jumps on the car, which is like such a part one homage, which is funny because it's the same nurse in the very beginning of the first movie when, you know, she's in, in when they escape, he smacks that same thing. And sometimes things are too on the nose. It's like, all right, you're kind of like recreating the whole thing just for for fan service. Well, they but didn't I, put a wrench in his hand this time, you know. Yeah, sure. but 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 I I like it. He still grabbed her hair, and uh, I another thing that annoyed me is, hey, Michael, this is for Doctor Loomer. <laughs> exactly. And she she got this like little ass fucking gun that they give cops in like the eighties, you know, like every like every action movie where a cop from like nineteen eighty three they had that little revolver and like all the bad guys had like machine guns. Dude, same moment like uh, that we're getting out of like these bullshit sloganeering again. Like I keep saying these same words again because it keeps getting thrown throughout the movie. Like that, the fact that they filmed that means that like that was on purpose. Like that she said this fucking line. This like 
horror movie send off line yeah. and it fucking kicks her in the face. It's just like how all the other slogans and all the other tough talk is like, yeah, we're so used to seeing it in horror movies and seeing it kind of proceed a turn, a certain turn in the story where like, like the vigilante justice basically works Yeah, where this is just like, yeah, that energy is going to get you killed. And it like, does. Yeah. Don't waste the time saying a stupid line. Check your fucking barrel, you know, like. And, and and they bring her back. And like I said, I mean, listen, it's just the way it is. And I feel like they dispatched her super quick. They got sure. her back. I think she had a better part in Halloween H2O. Oh, for sure. She had right. She and that was that was more suspenseful. It was like this like total build. Um and then uh, you know the, the the guy in the back takes the stethoscope and starts choking Michael. He yeah. fucking gets stabbed in the eye. And so I'm watching this. It's it's kind of funny. And then the girl comes with you know his wife shooting the gun, and he kicks the door, and like she shoots herself. In the world we live in now seems like a very poignant visual. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty entertaining, like you said, like that that vigil vigilanteism for sure. Um, but then. What I like about it was when when he uh, when Lindsay starts like hitting him over the head with the bricks, uh, she takes off his mask. And for some reason, anytime someone does that, it like it like derails him in some way. Like he needs to like go right back to it, put it back on before he handles business. And then um, she, you know, he's trying to find her, and she's like hiding by a tree. And that was like one of the moments in the film that actually felt suspenseful. Very tense, yeah. Right? Where you're like, okay, you're like, like, you're not seeing Michael Stalk nearly enough in this movie, which is something we know of the character as a real, you know, kind of strength of his, of what makes him so scary. That's, that's his thing, too. Um, Another thing that I really liked, uh, just the uh, Laurie and Hawkins interaction, I feel like they, not like they were narrating the story, but they were definitely moving the story along. You know, like you had the, you had the hit squads, you had the hospital people, and then you had Laurie and Hawkins talking about just basically what was going on and stuff. So I, I don't know if you guys like that. Yeah. I mean, I liked it in some parts, uh, you know, and what I loved about it was, like you said before, how it drew out that, like, this isn't about Laurie. I thought that that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Needed to be said. The first, you know, people, Lori doesn't show up until 53. She's not conscious until 53 minutes into this movie. And it was a huge point of derision. But it's like, we got a Lori movie. Like, this isn't about yeah. one yeah, person. Yeah. This isn't about, this isn't a revenge movie. Like, we're learning what the mind does when it's confronted with fear and trauma. And we see through how she's with Hawkins and it's very endearing and it's very sweet and it's almost like they're they're waxing a lot of nostalgia yes but they also both believe that it's their fault yeah the two people who believe that it's their responsibility because they failed in some way even though they spent their whole lives trying they're they're both in the same room together they're both injured they're both like they both can't help but they both think it's their fault entirely like that cuts pretty deep especially when you see Lori find out that michael's still alive and jamie lee curtis being a very capable actress she flips that coin so fast from like 
peaceful and kind of just sad and mourning, but also just kind of accepting. And then all of a sudden she finds out Michael's alive and it's like, oh shit, I gotta be the one. It's the same reason, it's the same thing that goes through Tommy. Like people were, I heard a lot of, uh, you know, bad critique of how she jams her ass with that needle and screams. I'm like, dude, that's her red pilling herself, man. That's a huge... Uh, moment that's yeah. her going like yeah like i had this is what my life's been about and i'm too stubborn to let it go to see what's behind it you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh so at this point you know we're all watching the movie how are you guys feeling about the movie at this point do you feel like it's going in a good direction or you're just kind of like indifferent being like all right let's see where this goes like langan what by, oh, by i the- was enjoying i was yeah. enjoying it um and the, and the parts that I didn't like about it, that I brought up or whatever, it wasn't anything that derailed me from enjoying it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, ah, eh, you know, certain parts and maybe a little eye roll here and there or something like that. But overall, I, w- I was happy. Overall, you weren't. Sure. Yep. yep. Uh, I had a weird experience. I think I was telling this to you, Sam. Yeah, yeah. The first time I saw it, it was the first time I had been to a theater in however long. The theater was totally empty. It was just mine. When the movie opened, I had that familiar pang of like, oh, is this going to be good? Like, I'm going to be really upset if this is let down. I left the the first viewing like this is the greatest fucking movie I've ever seen. I remember because you, you said it on Instagram and you're like, I was oh, like, yeah. if Halloween ends is great, this is going to stand next to Romero's Dead trilogy. I was so behind it. Yeah, I hadn't heard any of the bad critique yet. I kind of stayed away from it. And then I got a month of Peacock to rewatch it, to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, is this, is this the same movie that I was watching? Like, I still enjoyed it, but. That's interesting. What changed? You got to tell me. It's like, well, first of all, you're right. The viewing experience of seeing it on your TV is just different. Yeah. It's just different. You see a movie in a theater, especially a big movie like that. It just I mean, goes. It, it goes like you like the next big thing- stuff is gonna blow you away. Yeah. What came out on this one was, you know, we talked about the subtext of the first movie and how deeply connected I felt to that. This one, like I said before, they didn't flesh out totally the point they were making. I feel like there was a lot of kind of patchwork being done. And it's a sequel. You know how you have your whole life to make a first movie and then you got to make the second movie a year later. I felt like it was almost a little preachy the 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 way they were forcing metaphor, you know. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, like this is what happens. It's like, well, the first movie you were just doing more of a character study of fear and trauma and this felt like I mean, yeah, it was astute. It was, these were good observations, but it felt a little bit more finger pointy. Yeah. And I was a lot less forgiving of the Hemi dialogue. The first time I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's part of this movie. It's like when, you know, people get riled up and like, I was saying how like in, individuals can be reasoned with. The first movie is a movie about an individual. You can lodge, you can reason with a person. You can relate to a person. You can have empathy for a person. People are panicky and stupid and angry and full of vitriol. And this movie's about that. So it's gonna be more uncomfortable. It's gonna, it, like 
that dialogue seemed to come from a place where these guys were like, this is how it's like how we were talking about how Julian reacted to the babysitter death in the first one. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it may be unsatisfying as a viewing experience, but this is how these people would react. They would get behind somebody who's saying the easy chantable slogans. Like there's even this point where you see Tommy running in the hospital and he throws out an evil dies tonight very uncomfortably. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, evil dies tonight. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, he because it's like, oh, that's my shit. It's like uh, he turns around. He's like, uh, evil does tonight. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. after getting the point the first time of like, wow, this is really brilliant that they went there to do this. The second time, having known that already, I was a little less forgiving because it's like, all right, Allison says, now we hunt him down or, you know, we always fight like I just kind of OK, I get I, I got the point the first time I kind of didn't want to go down that road again you know yeah, yeah it didn't lessen the enjoyment but no, it was like it did make the movie look a little more flawed a little more like a little less tight i i had i had the flip reaction where like the first time i saw it i was like you know like uh, 30 minutes in i was just like damn i'm like i don't know if this is gonna get any better <laughs> but uh hey, someone described it to me uh, as a really good slasher movie, not a very good Halloween movie. And I was like, that's that's an interesting take for sure, because for, for what we know of, of the franchise and, and how it operates, it it seemed like a very much like an uh, over the top thing. But if you watch it a few times like I did, it's 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 fun. It's just it's pure violence and, and just uh, nonsense. And I, and I got to say, one of the craziest kills, and it's done so well that it makes me cringe every time I see it, is when the uh, other escapee guy jumps out of the building and he mm -hmm. smashes because, boy, did they go out of their way to make sure they, they show how uh, a body would look if once yes. it hits the concrete, like the leg was all twisted, his head was all fucked up. Um, yeah. Yeah, that 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 I I could appreciate that 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 gore. For Funny sure. that that's the exact response uh, critique I had of the original Halloween too. Like, yeah, great slasher movie, but shitty Halloween sequel. Of Halloween two, like the original Halloween two. That's what I eighty one. Yeah, 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 yeah. The forgotten Halloween. The forgot. Yeah, the one that the one that everyone the one that's liked. left out in every single movie that they <laughs> yeah. subsequent. You know, like um, it never happened. So let's let's get to the final hit squad here. Um, uh, the final hit squad after, uh, all this stuff for some reason ends up being Lonnie, which is Cameron's dad, Cameron and Allison. And I'm thinking like, this is who's going to the house to go fucking fight Michael Myers. Like I, I they learned nothing from their whole mob justice. Yeah. Like in the end, it's still just like, Oh, you three people. I thought you needed to all be together or whatever. Yeah, it's just like watching. Yeah, watching these three was ridiculous. So he goes in and and the way Lonnie dies, once again, very unceremonious. Like you don't even see it like he was like a mm. like he, you introduce him in the beginning of the movie as like this new character. And for the most part, he didn't really have anything to do other than just provide a fourth person. Um, yeah, I've said I, I loved this actor and his portrayal of that character. I thought he really did an awesome job. The way he reacted on that playground. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's natural. Oh, he's, oh, 
He's a natural. Nervous tears like this. You know, I've seen him a few times. He's been in like a couple of those Mike Flanagan Netflix series. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was in Midnight Mass. He had a great character in Midnight Mass. He was in, I think it was Blind Manor. It might have been Hill House. But I haven't seen him in much else. And was, he, I yeah. think he did a fucking great job. Even when they rolled up to the house and he's like, oh, shit, I brought my son here. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I thought that was done really well, brilliantly. Yeah, I appreciate so I'm glad I, I, to see him go. I appreciate uh, some of the real cool dialogue like that, because uh, these are movies where it's very skimpy. We don't get stuff like that where where you he you know, somebody will say that. So. Um, I love this from this point on, I think it's a really good movie because yeah. once these two go into the house tense, yeah, because mm-hmm. you know, something's going to happen, but you're thinking to yourself, she's not going to die and he can't die. He's like just a kid. They're not going to kill him. Uh, and that's not what happens. Like he, for every time, for every person that wanted him dead in the first movie, <laughs> he gets brutalized in this like oh, yeah. final act here yeah she she gets thrown down the stairs and fucking breaks her fucking like leg um yeah i don't know he gets the death he would have gotten in the first one for being a piece of shit yeah that's the death that he would have deserved in the first movie in a standard horror movie but here he gets fully redeemed yeah like he really tries to protect her to his fucking dying moment and he might have gotten brutalized more than anyone else in this yeah, movie yeah even the head like he twisted the head around it's up. yeah you look know. where he got him trying to make things right yeah yeah and it's <laughs> as if big john and little john only existed in the movie so that they could be found that way yeah oh that's yeah. right yeah yeah they did find him with yeah with the music playing and then like laid over each other like yeah. and the two lovers the two young lovers find them that way it's like yeah yeah, yeah, but but this this so this dark. this whole house scene was great for me. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. I loved it. Loved yeah, it. very suspenseful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fucking great. Karen showing up when she did because like what you know, we um the the scene the, there's this huge tense scene in the hospital with the guy before he jumps out of the uh yeah. the window. It's that's the huge melee. It might even be like you know the kind of action climax of the film what we get from Karen in that, like once that moment starts happening is that she takes on the role in the first movie, she wanted to be the voice of reason, but she hadn't confronted all the trauma that her family inherited. In this movie, she is gone there. Like when Lori's trying to get her shit together, again, the moment where Lori jabs herself in the ass and like screams dramatically, Karen looks at her and goes, Do you even know what's in that? You know, yeah. like she's become the voice of reason. She's those of us who look at, you know, our neighbors who we knew our whole lives who are suddenly QAnon idiots and going, like, Are you even like what? Like, I just don't even comprehend, like, that there's such a cognitive dissonance between her and everyone in that her mother her neighbors fucking everybody she's in the hospital trying to protect this guy she afterwards like when the bracket goes like um oh are we the real monsters karen's (laughs) who we go to afterwards and you can see her just kind of being like 
all right, buddy, like enough, like it's enough. Great. Yeah, yeah. You're feeling sorry, but like your personal melodrama, once again, much like we learned after Tommy's speech and Lori being in the back of that truck, it's like, yeah, man, you can pontificate and hate yourself and center it around you. But like this shit is still happening. It's still going to happen. And like, she is the voice. She becomes the voice of reason for this neighborhood. Like she's being driven there by the voice of the mob, Tommy himself. And I mean, not to jump ahead to the ending, uh, but I, I think it applies to this point is that yeah, yeah, once, we're, we're Karen, there. once Karen accepts Tommy's help, she then feels the bloodlust to stab Michael in the back. We're very surprised by her getting killed at the end. I was. I certainly wasn't anticipating it. But I, still, it's like, I still feel like it's a dream, but God. She gave something up when she accepted Tommy's help and when she aided the mob. Because the whole movie, she's like, there's a system in place. We are not the people to take care of this. That's why it keeps fucking up. Because you think it's your responsibility. Mom, you think it's your responsibility. Hawkins, you think it's your responsibility. The town now thinks it's their responsibility. All those people fail. All of those people suffer. Most of them die. But Karen ultimately is just like, she just, you see her kind of give up a little bit and just kind of accept that similar bloodlust. And it's like, well, if you're going to make the point in the movie, yeah, it's uncomfortable watching Karen die because she's such a beloved character to me, at least. I think to all of us who like this movie, it sucks that we have to see her die. But if you're going to satisfy that metaphorical arc, she kind of had to. She kind of had to, for sure. And and I love, uh, you know, when she comes and saves uh, Allison, the pitchfork. Yeah. You don't expect it. You're like, oh, shit. Okay. And then she takes the mask, which then, for some reason, is just this thing that he's so attached to. And he starts following her. And I was not expecting that ambush. Mm. It kind of got me. I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, they got him. They got him. And you kind of like see him like look around, put his mask on. And then he gets his ass kicked by the whole town. And I'm thinking like, where the fuck is this going? Like, how is this going to end? Yeah. I have no idea, you know? And then at the very end, uh, you know, you, you get the uh, final conversation between Laurie and Hawkins and they're, they're describing him and they're saying, you know, it, I made a mistake thinking that he was just a man. Um, and they, I feel like they're, really building the folklore for the last one, whatever, however they're going to resolve it, which I, I don't really know. I think supposedly it's going to be four years after this one, which makes sense if it comes out next year. I heard that. And then I heard something that was going to be the same night, like afterwards. I've heard like mm -hmm. lots of different things. No, and I've I, also I, heard too, that the, with the ending too, for this one, I know they're going to take up an alternate ending and extended cut supposed to come out on the, when they release it to DVD dvd and blu-ray yeah so well uh, i don't know what happens yeah, they the said it's like karen but... calls laurie wow. yes 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 that's i like that Green, david gordon Green said that when they were filming it they were going to use it that like they're going to release it because they thought it was you know it's an interesting alternate ending but they're like with the story we want to tell with ends where it picks up years later we felt like 
what we were setting up with that call would have that's, limited yeah. where we could go with that story. You're you're right. You're right. Because that's exactly what, what I heard. So I heard uh, COVID's going to make an appearance in the uh, <laughs> guest appearance. No, for real. Like yeah. it's going to be I, referenced. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's four. Time. So I heard four years. So four years means 2018 to 2022. So when mm -hmm. it comes out in 2022, I guess it'll be up to date and stuff, but there's right. something about like the way they were telling the story uh, and and how Karen Karen was so fixated on going into that room to see to look out the window, and then you know like Laurie's talking is like you know once you close your eyes like he's always going to be there, and then Karen closed her eyes and all of a sudden he appears like even though he wasn't there that's just like is this real did it really happen like he I, went right. full circle that's yeah. where the movie started in that room in yeah. 1978. Karen, we have watched go from the beginning of the first movie to where she ends and kills is like a lifetime of development and change. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And she comes full circle to that very same place where not only the, the, the Halloween started, but this movie in particular started with the cop kind of standing on that place. It's like when you accept this fear and this 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 um kind of a bloodlust that comes from fear this kind of blind bloodlust that comes from fear you're accepting something that's ultimately going to you know be your undoing in one way or the other in this in this way very literal um all right so to wrap it up we're, we're going to do a couple of questions here um uh, let's do favorite character favorite character in the movie langan uh i would say Cameron probably um I just from and I think it comes from the actress. She gave by far the best performance in it, and the one I felt the most sympathy for. But 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 gave you such a a, a grounded character, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, that she's my favorite. Cool, uh, Jake. Favorite character. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agreed. Karen. Is Me too. All right, so it's this movie. three way. Yep. However, however, my favorite character is going to be Lonnie. Oh yeah. I really loved, again, I loved how that actor portrayed it. I loved the moment when he's like, I can't believe I brought my son here. I really believed that, that like, wow, look at what this has done to me. And a little piece of, a little line that comes out when Lonnie's given out his weapons from the back of his truck. And he just goes, check out this sassy tackle. And I'm like, <laughs> I love that sassy tackle. Like, I love that. I love that so awesome. much. I yeah. thought he was great. And it was cool how, you know, they set up that like, this is the kid from the first movie that was, that was bullying, you know, he was a fucking little shit. And like, this gave him some dimension. And, you know, the fact that Lonnie and Tommy became friends in their adulthood is just like a, a, a real kind of, this is what happens to relationships over time, you know? And, and I really thought this guy did a really great job with the little bit he was given. Yeah for, oh, yeah, for sure. I got to uh, jump in one more thing with Karen, too, because I was talking to Sam about it. I'm like, you know, why does she wear a Christmas sweater? Yeah. Like, why? This takes place at home, but I, but I, I had looked up. Uh, She's getting ready. I guess it was a rebellion of the character that hated Halloween, the holiday so much. That was like her rebellion was to wear a Christmas sweater. Like, oh, really? Anti-Halloween. Yeah, I just yeah. looked it up. Okay. Yeah, she, yeah. she is my favorite. Um, I thought she did a great job great actress and definitely the one person that was the anchor and like the voice of reason. Um, I feel like the, the sheriff would have been that guy if he had a little bit more to do because he seems to be 
you know, the person with his eyes open amongst the chaos. I love uh, watching him fall apart on those hospital stairs, man. Yeah, yeah. It felt like I was watching a music video. Yeah, I felt like I was watching like the middle of like a Counting Crows video or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yo, least favorite character now, Langan. Who would you oh, kick man. out of this movie? Uh, Anthony Michael Hall. If I'm if I'm jumping, you know, off the top of my head, I just didn't like the character whatsoever. Okay. Tommy Doyle, that betrayal. Jake. Didn't like it. You know what? I mean, yeah, Tommy Doyle, much like Dr. Sartain in the first person, first movie, he needed to be there. But yeah, man, fuck Anthony Michael Hall, man. He, <laughs> not, he did not. That role had a lot of meat to chew on, and he barely tasted it. Yeah. Okay. Me, uh, it's just that that other guy from the the, the other escapee. Like, I just feel like he between him and and Big John, like those two characters could have just gone for me because I'm just they were like too annoying for me. Uh, little John was all right. Big little, John, you sp- yeah, you I like out. I like Little John. I singled out Big John because he was I don't he was <laughs> so douchey and like his yeah. like dancing around smoking weed listening to spooky music. I, I would have been hanging out with little John watching movies. You know. right. Uh all right. So what's your favorite scene if you have one, Langan? Man. Um I'm gonna go with the the uh the fire again off the top of my head, the the fire scene. Okay. Um I love what it did for me as a viewer. I was excited when I was gonna see some Myers kills. And they were brutal. I love when he lifted the guy up on that. What, what, what was it? A harpoon? What the hell was he like walking around with? Yeah, the, it's know. a fire. They, they call those the, the fireman fire harpoon. Oh, yeah. There you go. Fire <laughs> extinguisher. It. Set the table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake, best scene? I, uh, there were a lot of scenes that I really liked. But if I'm thinking about it now, like I'm kind of replaying them to see, you know, I hadn't thought about what my favorite was. But when they discover the bodies on the playground, yeah, mm-hmm. like we, yeah. the tension was built like watching him stalk Lindsay, mm-hmm. and then when they show up and see everything laid out, and they, you know, they find Lindsay just shuddering under the bridge and stuff. Something about that visual, man, really, really hit me. Yeah, that, that's for me that that whole sequence right there from from the time that they pull up and they uh, Lindsay starts talking to the kids to where Michael gives up looking for Lindsay and just walks away like that whole thing that that is definitely like my favorite whole scene of the movie because I feel like it felt like aside from like the the kicking the car door to the gun which was just straight out of like a Hong Kong action movie Steven Seagal would pull it would do that shit. not even he would have I mean that was even beyond what he could do <laughs> but that that whole sequence was a lot of fun and and the halloween yeah. three masks were, were great it, it had a little bit of everything it had the sure. ridiculous violence and then it had the uh, the tents and then it had the easter eggs with with the mask for sure um is there anything uh, as far as like a the movie goes like that you feel they should have done like was there a missed opportunity to do something that you feel like they should have done Hundred percent. I'll tell you exactly where it is. I'm glad you brought it up because I almost forgot to say it. Sure. I realize in the end the monologue that goes over the big, you know, Michael beatdown explains what what 
they're trying to show with Michael metaphorically. Mm-hmm. But the first movie and this movie ultimately treats its audience like they're smart. There's no Michael Bay in it here. There's no dumbing it down. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think that monologue was necessary. I think it really hurt that scene. I think they could have Carpenter's score was building to something really powerful. Um, it had like the old synthiness and stuff. It had some heavy guitars. It was really hitting by the time they got to the house. I don't think anything that Laurie said was something that at least I couldn't have gotten out of what was going on. I felt like it was maybe some studio notes made them do that. The That was the one point where the kind of hammy dialogue really was a little bit too much for me to bear. I thought you could have left some real mystique to what was going on about this movie where we're talking about a, a, a mystique. Like what's so attractive about Halloween over all these years is the mystique and the unknown and, you know, the questioning and stuff. And I just really feel like that monologue was, I hated it. <laughs> I hated oh, it that's so fun. I, I kind of loved it. The one like just explaining like, you know, like the, how he's more of a, uh, more than a man, right? That, that whole part. Yeah. Like the point is there. Like, yeah. I agree that everything she said was poignant, but I just don't, I didn't appreciate it being so spelled out for me in that moment while there's definitive action going on. That's, that's there for the big dummies like me, man. It was for me. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes you got to walk me through shit because I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to mention one in particular. I I said it before, which was, um, I wish the, the people that came back went lasted the whole movie uh i feel like we could have done without the whole hospital chaos plot i feel like we could have just gone on a ride with these people you know especially lonnie you bring him into this world i feel like he was very much underused Uh, and i feel like there was a missed opportunity there with with the with Lindsay, who disappeared right after she went to the er she never came oh yeah agreed she never showed up again and she was doing great yeah yeah Yeah. for sure so that's that's for me uh now best kill um langan come back to me okay i'm going through my head well i mean cameron i mean i love i love the ingenuity of the light bulb and that's where my head went first but like, fuck, man, he destroyed that kid. And he destroyed him. Line from when he was kind of smashing his head in the banister. Yeah. It felt like it was happening right next to me. Like he he, dest- he destroyed that kid. That kid. Got, and again, like how, you know, he made it through the first movie when horror convention said he, he shouldn't have. He starts this movie. He's the first person we see. He's pretty like he's our timeline kind of you know center where like we go from him to everywhere else and again at the end he's really like brought himself to a pretty strong redemption and then it it made me feel that much more kind of torn to watch him get fucking brutalized like that (laughs) well for me it just happens to be uh one of my least favorite characters because i've never seen anyone get stabbed under the arm (laughs) <laughs> and when he stabbed big john i was like oh my i'm like i felt it under my armpit i'm like you know what i mean like because that sharp that, that that knife is so long and so sharp that he just like 
I, he just stabbed him under the arm and then like squ- like smushed his yeah. eyeballs in. Yeah. You know, but it, the eyeball thing didn't even bother me. It was just that, that fu- like he fucking shoved that big ass fucking knife like underneath his armpit, which was ridiculous. So did, did you think of anything? Yeah, those are, yeah, I got, um, I mean, those are both great that you guys mentioned. I love all the kills in this movie, but I, I'd probably go back to the, the Lenny Clark and his wife yeah. scene just because, um, how savage it was because i keep using that word but uh you know with a lot of slashers somebody's disposed of and then that's the end of it this is so prolonged oh yeah and extended and like tough to watch that yeah. it made you feel something yeah yeah for sure um now the last question i don't know if anyone wants to pontificate on what the fuck could halloween ends be uh, any idea about it yeah I mean, I'm going on what little nuggets of info I had heard where like, you know, it, it takes place four years in the future. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to hear you in this episode contextualize that four years in the future from 2018 is going to be 2022. Yeah. So it's making it current, which sure. is super interesting. And to think that like, you know, this COVID mess, I feel like might fit very well in the discomfort and the discomfort with those of around you that this second movie has really sewn into the fabric of this movie, the tone of this movie. Michael Myers with a with a surgical mask is gonna be very weird. <laughs> right. He's very COVID appropriate, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's been wearing his mask the whole time, but the heavy breathing, maybe not yeah. so much. <laughs> All the fluids he's he gets around. But like I, I was I remember thinking about it maybe after I saw it the first time where it's like, all right, Halloween one was really Laurie's movie. Halloween kills is Haddonfield's movie and I just kind of did like what's you know like a psychiatrist shows you a picture and you're just supposed to say what comes to your mind immediately so when I said those two things I'm like oh the third might be Michael's movie yeah this, I think so this, this is this might just kind of if they're going to keep going the route of like subverting expectations they might blow the mystique wide open on Halloween yeah. ends like because if he's going to end they might want to end it they opened it so definitively by retconning all the sequels they might say yeah if anybody wants to make a sequel to our Halloweens they're going to have to start from scratch yeah you're going yeah you know? yeah We're which, the which they've out. done yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know totally. what I mean like they're, they're like, like no problem it, it Halloween will be the end of michael myers the way kiss had a farewell tour motley crew <laughs> yeah. motley crew hung it up a few yeah. years ago said you could sue them if uh yeah. you know they got back together michael myers I mean, farewell tour if there's a buck to be made someone yeah. else will you know just like they done before like, hey, forget about halloween too we're gonna just pick it up here yeah. okay forget wow. about those ones we're gonna do this rob zombie's gonna show you you know his childhood <laughs> photo album like it, it, it will continue. It'll be the Munsters meets Michael Myers. It's going to end for David Gordon Green, but like it won't be the end of Michael Myers. Uh, now, overall feelings. Do we recommend this movie or do we not? I do. Highly. highly. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I agree. So uh, pull out of it. And it's not like, uh, like you said, it's not like other movies. So even if you don't like it, there's something in there for you. It's a great movie. Like it's a, it's, it's a, it's a well-made movie. Yeah. It's a well-made. You know movie. how many like absolute shit horror movies like <laughs> I love and like yeah. <laughs> that I've seen, but I still love or whatever. This yeah. is a good film. It's yeah. well done. Like, like I, 
we had on Brian Usna and I told him how great the dentist was. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. And I meant it. I'm like, I yeah. love this movie. I get it, man. You know, you know? Like I've seen way worse. Episode, you know, it's like you can make a bad movie, but if you have good intentions and you're putting in the effort, um, I'm, it's going to be different than just like, you know, a money play that's just kind of like sure. some Sharknado shit. And like oh, this movie yeah. definitely reeks of effort. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. reeks of care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These these are people that conventionally don't make horror movies, but are are fans. Like you know, David Gordon Green and fucking McBride both grew up watching these movies. Yeah, sure. They're not doing this like for no reason. Yeah, right. to say Michael Bay. Yeah, dude. David Gordon Green turned down something like 20, 30 Blumhouse projects like yeah. over and over and over again. And then he chose Halloween. I have to believe that he takes that very seriously. I believe that. But uh, yo, we'll see everyone back here for Halloween ends for sure. Right. So, uh, Jake, man, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, thanks man. for having me. Treat once again, man. I love, I love seeing your face. Hopefully I'll see it soon in person. Soon, soon. Definitely love uh, that. And I'll talk to you guys.